Welcome to Merrick's Experts, the podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Merrick's podcast. I am Claudia Wessling, Director of Communications and Publications at Mercator Institute for China Studies. And today I am joined by my dear colleague Bernard Bartsch. Bernard is Director of External Relations at Merrick's and he's also the editor of our latest report titled Shaky China, Five Scenarios for Xi Jinping's Third Term. Hi, Bernard. Welcome to the show. Hi. The project that led to the report that we just published was a bit different from other research projects here at Merrick's. Um, it was a real team effort. Um, I remember us sitting together many times during these last months, researchers from all teams, economics, foreign relations, science, technology and innovation, uh, politics and society, and even the communications team was involved sometimes. So we got together several longer brainstorming sessions, and our goal was to create scenarios of China's future. Um, we were asked to bring our observations and assumptions from our own fields of expertise, And there was one thing special about this effort because we didn't do it on our own. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about it. We had methodological support by an, an institute. Um, so maybe just explain us a little bit why the setup for this project and um, how did you go about it as the main organizer? The initial idea came up in the run-up to the 20th Party Congress when we thought about how much China had, had changed in 10 years of Xi Jinping and how much of that change none of us would have anticipated. It changed so much more than anyone would have foreseen. So we thought it's worth taking some time to think about how much change is possible in the next five years. Internally, we've called that Xi 3, Xi's third term. What can we expect? It's not about um, predicting, but it's about looking at the space of possibilities of what to expect. And their scenarios are, of course, a good form because you can look at different developments and don't have to pin your hope and expectations on just one. And we got support from the Fraunhofer Institute for Innovation and Systems Research in, in Karlsruhe. They have a foresight team that specializes in scenario processes and a very sophisticated way of going a about scenario processes where you look at different factors and then cluster them and do consistency analysis across these factors so that you really get a big holistic picture. And that's what we did. That's why we involved everyone at the Institute because we looked at economic factors, technological factors, political factors, foreign relations factors, security factors to really get a big picture. And that took us a couple of weeks and basically these five scenarios that we developed consist of um, 15 sets of sub-scenarios where we have expectations for different developments in different areas, US-China relations, for example, or the political system. And that was then pieced together into this big scenario process. 
Yeah, it was definitely also um, just sharing my experience here. For us as a research team, it was, it was quite different from what we do normally. We sit at our desks, we do research, we write our own papers, but this was a real team effort. And actually, yes, the methodological input that came from Fraunhofer was quite special. And I would, yeah, well, it will be interesting to see whether we will um, continue using these methods in some way in our future research. But let's maybe get back to the scenarios that you came up with after this whole experiment had ended. Um, in the study, we have we are describing five scenarios, if I remember correctly. One is called shaky China. We have a confrontational China, restrained China, successful China, and reformist China. Um, you you really took an effort here to come up with kind of creative and nice sounding terms. Also, um, if you would just pick one of these scenarios now, which one is the one that deserves the most attention, in your opinion? I know this is simplifying, but give it a no, try. But, but that's exactly what we were trying to do here. We And if you look at this study, we have this fantastic two-page chart of our consistency analysis. Nobody will really understand what it's all about. It took us weeks to do, where we thought about all the implications for the different sub-scenarios and uh, how they interrelate. And in the end, we want to come up with something very basic and intuitive because the use of scenarios is for people to take them and check their own strategies or perceptions against them. So they have to be short and intuitive. And our baseline scenario is this shaky China scenario, which is really a rather broad path. It's it's the status quo, and it's where China is going to be in a couple of years still, if nothing major dramatic changes. But shaky China is in itself a rather instable, crisis-prone scenario. Our general observation was that when Xi Jinping started out um, as party general secretary and president 10 years ago, China was under stress but relatively stable. And since then, we've moved into a China that has a lot of socioeconomic stress and that is also shaped by a centralized leadership that has really taken authority and control at the center to extremes that go back to, to, to Mao times, if you want. And so, so within these parameters, shaky China is not a comfortable situation to be in. And I think this shaky China um, scenario pretty much describes China um, in the way that the Communist Party would also describe it. If you look at the party congress readouts, the um, National People's Congress um, results. It's all about control, it's about stability, it's about struggle, it's about preparing the system for the crisis to come and creating resilience for the system. So that's our, our baseline um, expectation. Of course, this shakiness, this volatility is exported. We do feel that China is changing, that it's looking at itself and the world in such a shaky way and we have to react to that. Does the scenario really give uh, concrete examples of what it is that makes China shaky in this scenario? You mentioned socio-economic factors, but could you maybe go a little bit more into detail here? An internal factor would be the growth path, the macro growth path. It's been expected for a long time that China's growth would of course slow 
catch-up modernization is coming to its end. The question is, is China going to be able to transform its growth model into a sustainable long-term model that will be slower but, but healthy growth, or is it going to be a rather chaotic picture? Is the money uh, coming from state investments? Um, is the infrastructure sector, is real estate, is, is exports going to be as important as in the in the past? There's a huge spectrum there between healthy developments or, or very unhealthy developments. Um, another external factor to look at is, of course, U.S.-China relations. At the moment, we have extreme tensions there, and you have Chinese politicians framing the whole global situation as a confrontation between two superpowers that cannot be solved, that will be there for decades to come. Now, this could change, of course. That's the expectation. And we also take into consideration that things could happen and we get back to a more cooperational um, position. But fundamental things would have to change for that. And all of these things, of course, cause interrelate. And the conflict between the US and China then leads to all the technology restrictions for China, which has a strong impact on how they can develop their economy, their strive for technological independence. All of these things factor into this, this scenario. And so that's, this really shows that the scenarios may not be real, but what goes into describing them is actually what we see and observe in China, playing out in China and uh, our predictions on how this might play out in the future. Could you maybe briefly explain a little bit what the other scenarios entail? And I know it's four of them. Maybe just pick a few highlights. I think two are particularly interesting to look at. Um, we have a confrontational China scenario, of course, that focuses on what would happen if there was an escalation in the Taiwan Strait. That's an obvious scenario that at the heart of a lot of the policy discussions in the US, but we're also starting to understand here in Europe and Germany that any escalation there would have extreme consequences for us. Another scenario that we must take seriously is a successful China. This shaky well, the China is something achieves that, all its goals. Or, exactly. Yeah. They've, they've set out their path. Um, and what if Xi Jinping actually manages to deliver what he's said out there. Our overall assumption is it won't be as rosy in China as, as he, he has promised. The rejuvenation is a much more difficult road than he has, has, he makes us believe. But, um, success can be relative and all these scenarios are really very much about perceptions. And let there be a crisis in the West. What will happen if Trump wins in the US elections next year, what if we have another economic crisis in Europe, any other crisis could make China relatively look much more successful. And that leads to real consequences. It changes how countries in the global south will look at China, how they will um, bet on the two superpowers. It will change how companies look at China. And I think a lot of German companies in particular would already look at a successful China in their industries today. The automotive industry feels like it's dealing with a very successful China in the e-vehicle um, sector. And that changes the reality of the whole industry globally. So I think we must um, take into account that China will be successful 
in some of the areas, especially in some of the areas that are very close to our interests and should not um, think that because China has problems, because the overall picture is shaky, that we can relax and China is not a challenge and we can be lazy about doing our homework. So the scenarios should really show you what the future might look like, even if they do not really materialize in full. Policymakers approach you and say, hey, why are you doing these scenarios? This and that is missing. It's not realistic. But that's not really the purpose, right? You're, you're trying to map out certain developments and make them define their responses to this. Um, and that would be my actually last question. How, uh, what, what should policymakers or people engaging with China do with these scenarios and why are they useful to, to them, which I assume they are, otherwise we wouldn't be doing this exercise. <laughs> I hope they are. It's about testing our narratives. Mm -hmm. When we think about China and we, we make decisions about China, we have a certain picture about where China is going in our heads. And these are different pictures. If you expect China to be very successful, you take different decisions than if you think China is running into a confrontation with the US or if you think that's another scenario that you have if the US and the Western world um, manage to actually contain China's rise. That's all different expectations and often we don't explicitly map out what our, our expectations are. We have very different narratives and people in politics have different narratives than people in business. When you talk to Chinese diplomats, they will tell you a totally different narrative. And it's hard to bring these narratives together. So one benefit of thinking in scenarios is that you actually explicitly map out what you expect and what you don't expect. And the other thing is that you can quite easily test your own strategies against certain developments takes an hour and a couple of colleagues to sit around a table take some core scenarios and we have examples of how to do that in the study think through in different scenarios what are our opportunities what are our risks and what would, would we do if we end up in this in this world um, it's not actually complicated to do the mitigation and preparation measures that we have are quite well mapped out, but it gives us an idea of where China might be going and where we are going vis-a-vis -vis China and what our own room to make decisions and maneuver is. Yeah, maybe we will revisit this whole experiment or, um, after Xi's third term, a real tongue twister, looking into Xi's fourth term, which seems likely to be approaching. Um, so um, thank you, Bernard. This was really us just scratching the surface, but I would really recommend to our listeners to visit our website and look at the full study. You will find it on the front page of www.merix.org. And well, remember, predictions about the future are always difficult, but never meaningless. That said, Bernard, thank you very much for being here today. And thank you. Have a great day. Enjoy the read. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, the podcast from the Makato Institute for China Studies in Berlin. If you want to learn more about our work, please visit us at merricks.org.